Hello and welcome to another episode of Hurwitz's House of Aura. I'm your host, Steve Hurwitz, and this is the podcast where we talk about spooky movies and have a lot of fun doing so. Um, unfortunately, the co-host Jeff Miller will not be joining us today, so I'm taking the, the steering wheel and driving this house on my own. We're going to be doing some special things this week, so let's get into it. Who, who are you? No, what? What do you guys want? Oh, God, no! Please! Please! Get out of here! Someone! Help! If you can hear me! Someone! Send help! Please! Welcome to Hurwitz's House of Horrors. Uh, it's the podcast where we talk about horror movies and the way that they're made, and we have fun doing so. Uh, my name is James Miller. I'm your host today. I'm joined by my co-host, Jefferson Miller. And our special guest, Steve Hurwitz, creator of Hurwitz's House of Horrors, uh, a podcast where you discuss horror movies and have fun doing so. Uh, hello. Yes, that is true. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, flipping the script this week, we will be guest hosting the episode in order to interview Steve about the most notorious horror movie of his childhood, The Nightmare Factory, Steven Spielberg's E.T. This movie has dramatized me. So recently we all went to IMAX to see the 40th anniversary re-release of E.T. Mm -hmm. uh, we thought it was also remastered. It wasn't, I don't think. Um, it seemed just mastered. It looked good. It was fine. Yeah. I think it was the original version big. too. Yeah. Because they had the guns instead of the walkie-talkies, which they changed for some reason in one of the versions. Oh, that's right. The weird 90s guns to walkie-talkies. Lucas film. Let's redo it all. Let's Star Wars it, you know? Yeah. 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 Star Wars the whole thing. But yeah. So we got the full original experience as we if we were seeing it when it first came out in theaters, which is mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. And so did a lot of other children there in the theater that day who I'm sure will have stories similar to Steve's um, as they grow up. All right. So we just walked out of the movie. Just saw E.T. Well, I absolutely have a new perspective on it. I... It's it's fun, mm -hmm. but there are so many elements that are just so terrifying. How certain scenes open up, like the fingers, like you know, coming around a corner, or like you'll see the outline of them, or just like, the scene when Elliot was outside in the in the shack for the first time, and you see the ball come back. It's like, nah, this is a setup for a horror movie. This kid's gonna die. If I remember the sounds that he would make when he was like running. Like, those are the sounds that he just like also made throughout the movie, but continuously like, haunted my nightmares. <laughs> As he's like just tearing ass like across the fucking forest. Yeah, it was it was an interesting experience to see it now as a 32 year old man. Now, Steve, how old were you when you first saw it? So, from what I can remember, I was around eight, maybe. I could have, I might have been younger, honestly. I don't know. It it, it was definitely younger. I think eight was the last time that I watched the mm -hmm. movie. But uh, you saw it multiple times when you were a kid. Yes. I remember it just destroying my life as a child because mm -hmm. aliens are terrifying and E.T. is one of the most horrifying creatures I've ever witnessed and been brought to life on the silver screen. 
And I think I tried to watch it again because my folks or maybe my sister were telling me, no, it's a great family movie. Let's all watch it. They all love it. And uh, I watched it again and it was just as horrifying. And I said to myself, I said, you know what, Steve, eight-year-old Steve, let's never watch this again. And I stuck by that until until the other day. Made yourself a liar. I, eight-year-old me would be very disappointed myself. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Jeff, do you remember watching E.T. as a kid? Do you, do you know how old you were? Um, no, I don't remember. I just, I feel like I've always have seen it. Like E.T. has always been, it's one of those classic movies that I remember having always seen. It's really good. It's always, it's been one of my favorite movies. I never thought it was scary. Like Steve over here. You're insane. Um, just one of those family classics that, yeah, all Spielberg's movies. I feel like it's like E.T. Hook, you know, Jaws, all those. It's like, oh man, beautiful movie. Raiders of the Lost Ark. When the Nazis have their face melted. Right. That's a classic family moment. Yeah, everyone can bond over Nazis' faces is melting. Always, I think mm-hmm. so. Eternal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't remember how old I was. Do you remember how old you were? Uh, I don't. I remember him. It when his skin turned white. I was like, "What's going on?" I remember that too. Uh, I was a young child. I have no idea how old I was. Mm-hmm. I remember that being very upsetting. Um, like a piece of dog poop on the lawn. Exactly. He's a, just a dried up turd. Uh, Steve, are there any other family classics that you're scared of? Um, let's see. Short Circuit is pretty terrifying in really? its own way. Yeah. Because, you know, he starts off as a uh, as a killer robot and he becomes nice because of an electrical storm, I believe. Another one of uh, our all-time favorites, Short Circuit. Mm-hmm. The story about a friendly robot uh, who starts out as a killer robot. See? And then gains sentience and befriends a family. Mm-hmm. But he still has murder lasers on him. Exactly. You know, yeah. just one wrong push of a button and he's shooting them lasers right Good into that family. Five. Not a Johnny lot different five. from Iron Giant, actually, except just scale. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's where they got the idea. Yeah. Maybe. Also, um, you know, some unfortunate uh, things happen in that movie. Just fair oh. warning. Uh, there's a white man who pretends to be Indian in that movie, which oh, is I, rough. I completely forgot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's worse than I remember, too. I saw a clip. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so. unfortunate. <laughs> and now Otherwise, guys, it's a great movie. You guys are now seeing why this traumatized me as a child as well. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the 1987 classic Batteries Not Included, in which three small UFOs befriend a child by coming in through his window and entering his life? I very... Well, I remember that poster. I remember the poster, and I, I feel like I saw it once. I think like my ma rented it from the video store one time, and I sat down and watched bits, or like I got up and left halfway through. But I don't really she knew, remember it. She knew how much you loved E.T. It's also, she's like, you know what else? It's another Steven Spielberg alien film. From is the 80s, oh. yes, 1987, Steel, Steven Spielberg and Matthew Robbins. So, Steve, I'm curious. Uh, do you think that early fears of E.T. shaped your later fascination with sci-fi horror classics like The Thing and Alien? You know what? Absolutely. I have mentioned before that I one of the biggest fears I had as a kid was aliens in general. I watched Nova documentaries or just, you know, Beyond Belief Factor Fiction uh, on unsolved mysteries all these things and there was always an alien episode somewhere in there and it was the fact that these things were up in space that they could come down and take you away without anybody really realizing it or without you being able to do anything and no one was doing anything about it is what upset me most and then all of a sudden now there's a movie where this fucking weird gross extraterrestrial or et as they're known as uh hangs out with a kid and like attaches itself to him uh that was horrifying and I think once I kind of got over that fear of aliens or maybe ET especially seeing 
aliens in in a much more i guess meant to be horror viewed kind of movie as opposed to et being a family-friendly movie mm-hmm. like the thing like that is absolutely like fascinating to me it's like, almost like going in knowing it's supposed to be scary yeah. makes it less scary instead of like oh a friendly alien and then it's you know him sneaking around in the darkness and it explores the fear instead of feeling like why isn't anyone so afraid yeah yeah, yeah. why is everyone okay it's with like this? it's like lovecraftian horrors but on the nova channel they're like are these real maybe maybe they're here already <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh, what? <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Jeff as a mm-hmm. child. Uh, he had a recurring fear that aliens were going to come through the holes in his blinds mm-hmm. where the th- where the strings go through. Right. Even when the blinds were closed, there were holes and the aliens could come through the holes and they would take him. Yeah, because it weirdly, as an adult looking back, I'm like, Total. That makes total sense to me. <laughs> I remember sneaking out. We would always sneak out, um, walk down the hallway, and uh, before we were made to go to bed, we would position. There was like a glass door on our entertainment unit, and if you turned it at a certain angle, you could see the reflection of the TV from the hallway. Mm-hmm. So we'd like premeditatively, like, okay, let me just angle this, and by the and then while I'm in bed, I can come out, I can watch TV from the hallway. You're diabolical. You know that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was probably James's idea. You're um, diabolical, you know that? See, and they would watch secrets old. that uh, our mom is now going to learn about. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mom, dad. Um, and that's what I think it was the Nova documentaries you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Where it shows it's when you're a kid, you don't know real, fake, you know, Santa Claus is real to you. So it's like, uh, here's a documentary of like, oh, yeah, there's probably people have been abducted. There's here's a here's footage of people just shaking hands with extraterrestrials and stuff. And you think like, oh, my God, they they just haven't been telling me that aliens exist. And I saw someone be abducted in a tractor beam. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, they use light to abduct people. And I'm a child, so I'm like prime suspect mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, uh, target target. Thank you. And so I'd always have my mom close my blinds to block out the light because I'm like, well, that way they can't get in. Mm -hmm. But there's a street light outside of my window. So she would close the blinds and you could still see the stream of light coming in through the little cracks in the blinds, through the little holes where the string comes through. It just made it look more like a tractor beam. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, they can still get through here. (laughs) Uh, And, and, you know, I don't know how long that lasted, but a a good while. I do like that our idea to... Um, flip Steve's horror podcast on its head by um, playfully making fun of him that he was scared of E.T. as a child really just turned into an unpacking of childhood trauma for everyone yeah. about this horrible alien crap. Uh-huh. Well, because it is like a... I mean, to this day, you know, it's like, well, yeah, aliens can be real. I don't know. So when you're a kid, it's like it's way scarier. And yeah, no oh, one can be like, it's like, are, are they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your parents are like, oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, everything like, well, else is like, well, that's not real. And that's like, well, I mean, even if they were, they're not going to come through your window. And right, like, that's right. not good enough. How do you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, James, if you don't mind me asking, uh, do you have any like trauma hood? Or excuse me, do you have any childhood? Trauma. No, I like that trauma hood. Yeah. Uh oh, new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just going through things that scared the shit yeah. out of you as a kid. Did you have any childhood trauma like relating to aliens or like did they ever freak you out or did you ever have any anything to do with them no i jeff jeff was scared of aliens i was scared of like evil spirits and demons that seems more practical it's a similar kind of thing where you know they're like oh yeah demons are real 
the devil's real. Like oh, that's all I, we weren't even raised religious, so we didn't have any context, but ghosts and demons and stuff. Same kind of deal. Like if you're a kid and adults are like, yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. it's, <laughs> it's like, well, what context do you have for like, well, how do I keep them out of my room? They're like, Oh, you don't actually, they can mm-hmm. show up anywhere um, and take control of your body. And then you go to hell. And you like, just well, burn for eternity. Not, not great. Yeah, our ghost <laughs> is just like dead people. They don't obey walls. They don't obey rules. There are a lot of like mistaken things that I saw where probably looking in the sheet of glass at the TV mm-hmm. um, that were brilliant. Um, I think like look who's talking to uh, where like demons take control of toys. You know, like there's Chucky and there's like different things where it's like, oh, there's close encounters when like the aliens come and all the toys start moving around. That mm-hmm. scared the crap out of me. Anything where toys started being possessed by stuff that was scary. But it was more like this, like that ghosts and like they didn't even need light. They mm-hmm. could just like be well, yeah. in your room, like the door would close and they would just be there. Mm-hmm. And that's that was awful. Aliens well, especially really a problem for me. Especially because we had the little barn toy that was in Look Who's Talking To. Oh yeah. <laughs> where the top like slides open. Opens and, and it makes the little noise like and he's like, ah yeah. and you see his eyes. Oh god, that's like awful. we have that. It was it's in my room. His room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't good. But aliens weren't too much of a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I did go through a phase where I was very scared of uh, Bigfoot. And it was, oh, I didn't know that. Well, one weekend. Oh, I was staying in a cabin with a friend. We mm-hmm. watched the Bigfoot documentary. Oh, there you go. And we so are in we the environment. all the doors and windows. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was this before or after you watched Harry and the Hendersons? Um, it would have to be after. Yeah, I was going to say, you love that movie. Yeah. Weird, right? Yeah. It's almost like you're old enough to be aware that like, well, Harry and the Hendersons is a movie. Yeah, but but not old enough to be like, Big but there's also no Bigfoot real. outside of our cabin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just that awful gray area. Yeah. Well, James, it's kind of funny you brought up Close Encounters because I really liked that movie when I was younger. I definitely saw it after E.T. and, you know, after I had been traumatized by just the alien itself but i remember watching close encounters and just being like really sucked into it and liking that i think it was because what for whatever reason my brain separated that movie as people like searching for for ufos you know you weren't seeing an alien you didn't see the aliens until the very end right but they did have like some horror moments where you remember when the kid is taken and like the whole room like the yeah, door all opens the up. toys start coming yeah, to life, and then he crawls out through the, the door, door. it's the like it's lights spooky. coming down from the chimney the scariest thing about that scene is how helpless the mom is. Oh, yeah. She's running around trying to, she's like, what am I, you know what? I could remember, I'm like, oh, she can't stop what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is like a mind-blowing moment for a kid where it's like, oh, the mom can't save you? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, that's it. Right, because until then. Yeah, your parents like can't do anything. Like, they're they're just people too. Yeah. Interesting you should say that. Close Encounters was, according to some interviews, Mm-hmm. The original inspiration for Steven Spielberg's uh, making E.T., where in the final scene, he's seeing these aliens on this spaceship. And he's like, well, what if what if one of them got left behind? And that was hmm. that was his inspiration for E.T. Uh, there were there are other elements to that. And there are other rumors and lore about different inspirations that he might have had. And in fact, there was a, a lawsuit. There's a spec script that went around uh, when he was just a couple years out of high school that has a lot of similarities to E.T. That was never proven to have influenced him, but mm-hmm. a lot of people that went back and forth on whether it did or did not. But both E.T. and Close Encounters came out after that script went around Hollywood. Steve, did you know you can buy a life-sized replica of E.T.? It is a replica of the actual E.T. prop, a licensed replica. It doesn't move or anything. 
good. But it is the exact size and shape and color, and it is $400. And you could just sort of put it in the corner of your room. Uh, I was not aware of this. I didn't need to be made aware of this, but now I know, and I hate it. Well, we have a surprise for you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> if all of, if everyone listening in, we're going to put up a GoFundMe link <laughs> to buy this ET to put in the corner of Steve's room. Um, and he's agreed that if we raise that much money, he will put it in the corner of his room. How about, how about we come halfway? I'll meet you guys halfway on this. So if everyone listening donates to this GoFundMe, I will get the ET, this disgusting thing. I won't put it in my room. I'll put it in the podcasting room and I will leave it there for the rest of time. How does that you have sound? To, you have to put it in the corner of your room for one night. And then I can put it in, in the podcasting yeah. room. Yeah, I was going to say maybe you'd have to spend the night in the podcasting room the first night <laughs> with, it, yeah. with it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I agree to this. I, you heard it here, everyone. This is a binding contract, a verbal contract. So let's get it done or not. I'm completely okay with that. Yeah, we're going to. Okay. So just check the link in the description in the or find it on the Instagram at Hurwitz's House of Horror. Yep. Guess I'll, I'll post that on there in a link. All right. For episode 14. As I'm sure you've realized by now, we're doing the movie E.T., the Extraterrestrial. E.T., the Extraterrestrial. From 1982, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Melissa Matheson, starring Henry Thomas as Elliot, Drew Barrymore in her debut role. Pete Coyote. Is that an actual person? Yeah, he's Keys. Oh, cool. What a name. A fun little bit of trivia before we even get to trivia. Perfect. His name is Pete Coyote, and he's the one dicking around near their fence. Mm -hmm. And the older kid goes, oh, that coyote's back. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Uh, And then the tagline, he's afraid. He's totally alone. He's three million light years from home. It's interesting because the tagline itself gives us a little bit of trivia. Now we know how far away E.T.'s home planet is. Ooh. Three million light years. That's too far. Yeah. Yeah. So we just have to find out what what's that far away and then narrow down every star that's that's three million light years away. And then we'll know where <laughs> E.T. lives. Well, and maybe we can verify that. Uh, Get on it, NASA. That. That conspiracy theory, or I guess not conspiracy that theory, real the theory that E.T. Uh, is in the Star Wars universe. Right. Yeah, right. I don't know how long... far away the Star Wars universe is from Earth, because that's not even, Earth might not even exist in Star Wars. Right? But three million light years, that is far, far away. A True. long time ago. Yeah. So, like Star Wars. Right. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, it's very possible that E.T. is in Star Wars, and we will get to that mm-hmm. later, even though it is a long, long time ago. We'll get to that in trivia. Yeah. So we went and saw this film in IMAX recently. Yeah. We got the full cinematic experience, mm-hmm. um, including other people. As we, we heard the live cries of children as this movie shaped them um, and made them fear their backyard and candy. Uh, real quick, James, I <laughs> want to say there was a girl like a couple seats away from me uh, at certain scenes. She was evoking all of the emotions that I felt as a child. And I was like, oh, you poor, poor girl. I've been there. I know what I know that feeling. Do you feel yourself reverting? Uh for like a second, and then I was like, I have to be strong for her. Yeah. You have to protect <laughs> for her some from reason. ET. Yeah. I have to I have to show that I can watch this movie without freaking out. Yeah. Even if she sees down. you cry, exactly. then she'll like, there's no hope for me. Right. Yeah. 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 So that was that was fun. I think it was seeing it in a in a crowded theater 
it wasn't too crowded, but just seeing it with other people in the theater was a was a very fun experience. Yeah. It's it's fun seeing a movie that everybody everybody enjoys, if that makes sense. Like everyone is there for for, for a reason. They're all fans. You know, only specific people would be going to this 40th anniversary thing right. because of of memories or they're trying to show their kids this. You know, it's gonna be like Ooh. Exactly. And this is a little off topic, but I've been they've been playing James Bond movies at the IMAX theater for the past couple of weeks and I've been going. And usually it's either just myself or these two other people, but it's just an, it's like three people in this huge IMAX theater, which is great. But then going to see E.T. and having kind of like that, that kind of crowd experience was, it was nice. It reminded me, it made me kind of miss seeing movies like that with people who are there for the same reason you are. Yeah. There's, there's definitely value to the cinema. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that probably the reason that there's so many people there compared to the James Bond movies is that E.T. is not a womanizer. Um, and the people can really stand behind this character still, mm-hmm. but not not like James Bond. Mm-hmm. Just um, saving the world, definitely. Um, probably be in jail. I mean, he's done some questionable stuff. Oh, That's yeah. a podcast for another day. Um, on the way out, he beats of, women. Uh, <laughs> on the way out of uh, the ET uh, or fucking house. Why are you the co-host? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I've been saying. <clears throat> On the way out of ET, uh, when we saw an IMAX, I heard a guy with his two daughters. It might have been the dad of those daughters you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He was just looking wistful and just said, "There goes my childhood." Like as he was just looking away in the distance, and then we made eye contact, and I just gave him a little nod, and then he just walked away with his kids. It was like, oh man, that's nice seeing someone relive there. Yeah, and Good passing it on to there. their children. Right. Yeah, seeing them get to get to share that with their kids it was it was cool. Yeah, that's very cool. I hope that they always continue having the classics accessible that way, so you can Absolutely. share them with, with future generations. Mm-hmm. Also, real quick for that little girl, uh, by the end of the movie, she was getting more into it instead of being fearful. Yeah, you could tell she was like, "Oh, this is fun." Yeah. Oh, good. I didn't have that experience when I was a kid, but <laughs> well, at least at least she was able to. You didn't have a strong man sitting two seats away from you, not crying. That's true. That's true. She had you as a pillar of. Of hope. Of hope. Something to look forward to. <laughs> Not her dad, though. No. He was, oh, he, he was, was crying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I almost cried. There was a scene, um, I had never seen this in theaters, and there's a scene, you know, one of the climax scenes, and the music swells, and I could feel like my, you know, like my, it's like that feeling about when you're about to cry, your, your eyes kind of well up. So the movie starts off... Um, right, right in the middle of the alien action, the aliens are down on Earth gathering plants. They've got their spaceship. They get chased by these government agents. Um, it's a very uh, action-filled and startling scene to start from the perspective of the aliens, which I thought was really interesting. The first thing before you see any humans, you see E.T. and his people um, interacting with plants and sort of going about their own business Mm -hmm. it's like a little bit of a reversal from from the way most movies would start yeah rustling around and everything's dark and you see little lights and strange yeah like you're saying strange plants and just their little spindly fingers caressing leaves just about to say that just off the bat you just see these long gross looking fingers and i was like hate this (laughs) fucking hate this yeah Regret sets in at that moment immediately. For you. Yeah, so I yeah. think it was it was definitely to try to put you in ET's perspective right away, mm-hmm. but instead it just made Steve feel like he was alone in the woods with these horrible <laughs> creatures. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>. sure did. 
<laughs> yeah. That was something I noticed too. It was um felt like something that doesn't happen as much now is is that it was a lot of like close up detail it was like setting the establishing the, establishing yeah. the world and establishing the the vibe of the movie like showing the little plants and the it's foggy and something about it really like pulls you in right away to like how you're supposed to feel for the rest of the yeah, you get a lot of like details about their ship and you see sort of the inside that you never see again and like right. what they're doing, why they're here without saying any of that. You get all these little detail shots to sort of like set that context for you. Right. Um, before that is shattered by the government agents coming in. They're supposed to be the horror mm-hmm. of, of the scene. I don't remember like the shots of the inside of the ship when I was a kid. So watching it this time weirded me out even more Yeah, because there's like some weird like it looks like a big like tree or like something with like a mouth on it. And it goes, Ugh. yeah, yeah. It was like an old man tree, and it goes, Ugh. and goo comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell's that? It was like, was this just an effect guy being like, you don't be cool? I'll make this. a tree that has goo come out of its mouth. It like didn't seem like it fit or everything else in the movie. Well, it does because according to Spielberg, ET is a plant based creature, is no. neither male nor female, and the tree person and the ET species, they're all plant-based. They aren't animal-based. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Which makes sense that he kind of has a connection with plant yeah. life. Yeah. And he's, you know, they're, they're gathering different plant samples and kind of bringing them on the ship. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you mentioned, I, did li- I do like that in this movie, it's kind of flipped where the aliens aren't the horror aspect, at least not for... I was going to say. For Steve. Hold them horses there. That may there. be a fact, but... <laughs> Um, for most people, um, it's the it's like the scientist guys. Like you don't see their they get the alien treatment, like from yeah. the movie Alien, where you don't see their faces. You see lights and silhouettes. You see and lights, and, yeah, yeah. Keys jingling and like boots, stomping, yeah. yeah, boots stomping and crushing things, and like, uh, and it's like very tense. Yeah, they don't speak at all. Yeah, they, they don't hear. speak. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like that. Fuck, that's scary. They're like the dogs on leashes barking too. Right. It's all very, yeah, it was, again, seeing this movie from a different perspective now, there are a lot of things I appreciate about it Mm -hmm. that are very cool. After we get uh, past that, the E.T. starts entering the human world and he ends up in this uh, neighborhood with this kid, Elliot, and his family. They're playing Mm D&D and his his recently separated mother, who uh, is just a mess throughout Mm -hmm. this film. And she's having a hard time. She's having a really hard time. Um, and uh, Elliot first encounters E.T. in some of what I saw from Steve's face, some of the most horrifying uh, moments of this film. This is you true. wanted to speak a little bit about his, his different interactions with E.T. So this moment in particular has always stood out to me as what made me want to just kill myself as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so it's when Elliot is in the field. They're not even a field. Is it a field? It's like a cornfield, right? Yeah, there's a cornfield by his house. Yeah, he's... He hears something, you know, out out there, and he goes to investigate. And well, first of all, excuse me, let me just let me the shed that first, over. Yeah. yeah, he goes out to the shed and he throws a baseball in there. And let me just say that this whole movie, there are so many scenes that are set up like a horror movie. Yeah, it it feels like this could just do a three sixty. And yeah, they've been used like the ball being thrown and then rolling back out of the doorway. That's mm-hmm. been used, I think, in it. Probably. It's been in like several ghost mm-hmm. story kind of movies or down the stairs. Mm-hmm. It's a horror shot. 
Which again, like as an adult, it's cool to see because what I feel like they're doing is making you feel what Elliot's feeling. Yeah. Where he's like, this is fucking scary. Like I heard something in the shed Mm -hmm. and I throw a baseball in and it rolls back out. That's terrifying. It's kind of like you're in his position instead of being like, oh, it's just the friendly E.T. guy, you know, and it subverts it a little bit. Yeah, it's like you're on edge and it's filmed that way where you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's about to happen? See, if that had happened to me, as soon as that baseball rolls back, I'm like, nah, I'm packing up my bags and leaving. (laughs) Ain't never going back to that shed or I'll just light the shed on fire. Right. Burn it down. Nothing's going to come out of that. So you wouldn't leave a trail of Reese's Pieces. To then try to get the creature back to your house. Absolutely not. That's a waste of Reese's Pieces. Mm, I guess so. I mean, he did bring him back. Yeah. Ugh, why would you want those after they're like in his weird little hand? You don't know what he tastes like. <laughs> That's uh, the real tagline of the movie. You, you, you don't, don't know, know what he tastes, tastes like. like. <laughs> 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 I'd go to that movie again. Yeah. Like, That's true. Yeah, I don't. Ew. I don't know what he tastes like. Maybe I should see this. Let me just say, James, I want to thank you for bringing uh, Reese's Pieces for us to snack on whilst uh, recording this episode. Yeah, we've got some thematic snacks. You might hear some some rattles and crunches as we're munching on our own Reese's Pieces, doing our own Foley work over here. Yeah, uh, the for I believe uh, Reese's Pieces were the first product placement in movies, was in this movie. Um, That's a common misconception. God damn it. Well, good, because I was going to say, we didn't get paid. That's right. We didn't get product placement over here, but but it did, it did kick off. Um, in general, it was like the spearhead of it. The first product placement was actually in the movie Superman. Well, wait, let me see if I can guess what the product placement was. Do you think I will guess it? I don't know. Do you think I will guess it? All right, Steve. We both have a I'm, guess. Honestly, I didn't read that far, so I don't know what it was. It was like, <laughs> oh, a, watch. It was like a watch Damn. or something. Like no, Clark yeah, looks at a watch and Damn. it's like, oh, there it is. I didn't like. Oh, what a nice watch. Yep. Okay, well, you, maybe you can guess it. Go, go, do it. I was gonna say Sony. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guess is uh, a, maybe some kind of suit. Mm. You're like both a clothing company. You are both wrong. It was Kryptonite. Oh, damn it! That was heavily featured in the movie. It sure Kryptonite. was. Kryptonite. Yeah. How could I forgot? Kryptonite. Yep. The element. Yeah. Going back to some of the other scenes, right after Elliot gets the baseball tossed back at him, right. He later on, or he, you know, freaks out to his ma, and they all go out, and they don't find anything, of course. Except, after they leave, you do see his little hand, E.T.'s hand, just stick out. classic fingers around the doorframe. Again, so many just good horror shots. It's That's like, right. why isn't this like, why isn't this a horror movie? <laughs> <laughs> later on, he's waiting outside, and he's trying to find this, whatever it was, this mm-hmm. creature, this wolf. He's not sure, and he hears it in the cornfield, and it goes in the cornfield. And it's the flashlight, and he's looking around, and he runs just headfirst into E.T. Oh, yeah. And in my mind, from when I was a kid, it's just the scariest thing that I had ever seen. <laughs> that like, scream? The, it's the scream. It's the way like the flashlight just illuminates him. It's the fact that there's something in a cornfield that shouldn't be there. And in my head, I always thought that that is when E.T.'s head also like shot straight up. Because he, he has that long neck. Yeah. But I guess I just combine that with another scene mm-hmm. because he just screams and looks yeah. gross. He's still really weird looking. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so then E.T. screams, Elliot screams, and he just books it the you fuck scream. out of there. I, inside, I was, yeah. ah. 
Yeah, what was it? What's your best impression of the E.T. scream? Uh, I will never do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) I hated that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not surprised watching it now that you were afraid of this movie as a kid. Thank you. Um, Let me still make fun of you for it. Of course. Let me ask you two this. Did when you saw it as a kid, what was your do you remember your guys' reactions to that scene? I remember it being suspenseful. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember. I, I was probably a little afraid. You know, it's definitely set up for you to be anxious. Like he's deliberately using these horror shots and suspense shots to make you feel that feeling of, oh, something otherworldly is here mm-hmm. um, to then flip the script on you and bring E.T. into the house and make him a part of the family and and ease those worries. So mm-hmm. I definitely must have been afraid at this point, but I don't remember it in such a really clear horrifying way mm-hmm. um i think that it, the movie in general soothed those feelings for me of it was more just anxiety of like what is this thing and i'm like oh it's it's a cool alien guy who's a friend yeah um so i think it didn't have quite the same impact similar to like like we mentioned earlier harry and the hendersons right yeah he's where he's like this big scary bigfoot and then he's like oh no i'm just a, just hanging out just a Chill, dude. Eating fish sandwiches. And, yeah. Putting my feet up and watching some TV. And then, yeah, so the fear doesn't live past the earlier scenes in the movie. Right. Because as we, we go into it, Elliot decides to scatter those Reese's pieces and bring this alien back into his house, mm-hmm. introduce them to his family. We get these scenes where um, we get the siblings, uh, Drew Barrymore notably, reacting to this alien for the first time. and um, a lot of the sort of fun early scenes that people remember of this alien integrating into the house where he gets dressed up in weird clothes and he's drinking beer and he's doing all this stuff. Um, one thing that's maybe not quite so clear and it's easy to pick up as an adult, but not as a child mm-hmm. was the psychic connection between E.T. and Elliot. I don't think I fully picked up on that mm-hmm. as a kid that they are literally life bonded. Yeah. Um, and you start seeing that there where E.T. gets scared by an umbrella and Ellie gets startled in another room. Mm-hmm. That's actually also kind of a creepy element. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. remember, he first brings an E.T. into his room at like that night. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Elliot just feels super tired. He was mm-hmm. so pumped up. But that, I guess that's that was E.T. also yeah. feeling tired. Like he just made that bond without even asking him. Yeah. He's doing that purring noise, yeah. and then they're like staring at each other, and then Ellie just passes out. Like yeah, I always thought it was E.T. Um, like doing some kind of like hypnosis, Light almost like a like a Jedi mind trick defense mm. mechanism of like oh, I'm just gonna have you fall asleep, and that way I can sleep. And I didn't realize right. it was like you said a psychic link where he's just exhausted, and then so Elliot's like, "Oh God, me too," and then they. And it really sets up a lot of the scenes in the movie where Elliot's mm-hmm. being weird at school and all this other stuff. Uh, and also the bond between them as E.T.'s dying, Elliot's dying. I feel like if I'd understood that as a kid, I would have been way more scared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just thought he was a weird alien guy. I mean, he yeah. is. I was more scared of, I, I remember being more scared of the adults as a kid. And the idea that they could come crashing in in astronaut <laughs> suits and, <laughs> right, you know. For bust some reason, doors bust and your like, doors and take come your, into your house. Friend. Yeah. yeah, the idea that someone could enter your home um, against your will was something that was really scary to me as a kid. Whilst wearing and a NASA now, suit, and now I mean, hell yeah, that one. 
especially in NASA suits. Yeah. And yeah. Astronauts. Those are the kinds NASA. of things. Yeah. Like the sort of weird themes that I, I mostly remember. I'm like uh, him holding out his glowing finger and healing the cut. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's really not that relevant. It doesn't really come up again. Yeah. It was, I would say as relevant as like, again, one of the psychic link scenes, right? Like it's just one of them of many scenes, but for some reason that, yeah, all his psychic link stuff is way more important. He never like he saves anyone with the healing power. He just right. sort of like heals the cut. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I'm like, that's like the point of the movie when I was a kid. Well, I feel like it's because they use that on the posters that's all the time. It was like the true. two fingers, like the lit up <laughs> finger and Elliot's finger. The imagery like it, of it. Yeah. And that's that is something I also think of when I think yeah. of E.T. and not only a terrifying monster, <laughs> but discussing weird glowy hands. Susceptible right, right. to the imagery. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he just. Drinks all your beer. Yeah. He comes rude. into your home, drinks all your beer. Uh-huh. Yeah, wow, dude. It hides in your closet. He destroys your stuff to make his own things. He did, like, See, he's toys. He's just Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> he comes, he lives in your closet, he drinks all your beer. Right, right. <laughs> he's got disgusting hands. <laughs> I think Drew Barrymore even points out he has gross feet. And he does. He does. Unnecessary. So, just interesting like note about that is that was an ad-libbed line by Drew Barrymore. Really? Um, it was not an ad lib because they never saw E.T. out of costume or anything. It, the movie was shot in sequence and E.T. was always presented as a real creature to them. She was talking about his actual feet because there were wires leading to his feet because it was the animatronic version of oh. E.T. And she was looking at the wires coming out of his feet and she's like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like his feet. <laughs> That's hella cute. Yeah. I got to say. Just speaking of, of E.T., the, like, the, the creature itself, I am so impressed by it. Like that, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's an animatronic and like somebody also in a, in a suit in certain scenes. There are it's three bold. different E.T.s, one animatronic, mm-hmm. one's a costume. Yeah. So like there's one for close-ups and one for um, actual moving around in, and a third one that's more like a puppet, yeah. like a, more like a Henson puppet. Yeah. And yeah, the animatronic one, cost, oh, it was 10% of the budget. Makes sense. Wow. And uh, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I appreciate it. It's as, so as, as gross as it is. I love it. It's you see like it's, it's head pulsating at certain times. I never noticed how you can see like the irises like get bigger and smaller. It's insane. Or the corneas. Yeah. When lights hitting it, it looks so slimy and real. The and veins, you can see the veins pulsing with blood yeah, under the skin. Yeah, it's so, it's brilliant. Like, that is the kind of practical effects that I love. And this came out in, what, 82, was it, Jeff? Uh, I believe 82, yeah. And the fact that they could make that look so realistic, which goes back to why I was terrified of it, because yeah, it looks like it's, it's real. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's it's competes with modern day Oh, totally. And exceeds it in, in some cases oh, totally. because the, you just can't justify that amount of the budget. Like the, the amount of detail that went into this. I don't know what I've seen that has that level mm-hmm. of detail when you're really inspecting these mm-hmm. close ups. I feel like nowadays it would probably be a much simpler animatronic and then they would add, you know, they would composite like right. com- yeah. CG eyes dilating and veins moving and that kind of thing would all be cg but the rest would be animatronic and they pulled it all off physically in the real world which is insane to me yeah it looked so good and i hated it (laughs) (laughs) we have a lot of time to hate it because we spent a lot of time with et's hijinks Mm -hmm. 
and hijinks. I like um, that. He's concerned, of course, primarily with with getting home. He wants to phone home. He wants to build his communication device to get back to his people and call them back to pick him back up because he got stranded here. Um, so a lot of the time, the Elliots at school is uh, E.T. and Drew Barrymore making communication devices and hanging mm-hmm. out and drinking beer. Let me ask you to do this. Why did that ship leave? Why did it leave E.T.? It obviously knew that he wasn't on the ship, right? Oh, because yeah. uh, the, the men, chased. the scientists were running up. Yeah, they left. Yeah. They just they, like, they right, cut, cut my losses. Bye. Damn. Yeah, there was like a brutal. bunch of dudes yeah. with guns and stuff like coming. Like, um, you could because you could see it showed yeah. shots of one of the aliens in, in the, the door, door kind of like looking and waiting like. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, come on, oh, come on, acceptable then, losses. Boom. It was like a getaway driver. The like, come on, man, come on, get back to the car. And then yeah. the cops show up and they're like, all right, peace. <laughs> and just leave. That's left so him to die. fucked up. You he know? was left to die. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's like, just come back in a little bit. Yeah. Come they back just, like, like a day. And you're like, we're <laughs> they back. just assumed we can he communicate was dead. telepathically. Yeah. Like, now yeah. he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that just that was kind of fucked up thinking about that. I was yeah. like, "Oh, you poor guy." All right, I, I, guess I, I do also feel a little be sad, sad yeah. and lonely. My people leave, assume I'm dead, and they're like, "Well, we're not going back right. <laughs> until I I build a phone to call them and be like, "Hey, what? Yeah, I'm hello. still here." And they're like, "Ah," and then they come back for me. That's that's like that's really messed up. That's yeah. like being the kid at school who doesn't get picked up and it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's scary. So. E.T.'s building this communication device. He's got a bunch of like phone parts and saw blades and um, a Buck Rogers comic strip gives mm-hmm. him the idea and like all of these really great sort of like time pieces of like he's watching the TV. He's got some Sesame Street playing. Um, you get that classic line, E.T. phone home. Yeah, which interestingly spoken first by Drew Barrymore because his first line is E.T. home phone. That's right. And she says E.T. phone home. That took me by surprise as well. Yeah. And there's a whole, I love the, the discovery of that. I didn't remember any of that where he was trying to be like, Hey, I'm like, we're trying to, I'm trying to tell you what I'm trying to do. I thought he just said it like, by the way, Hey, ET phone home. I didn't realize there's like him learning English and that whole, he's reading the comic and then she essentially teaches him English. Mm -hmm. Like the be good. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I love that. And uh, yeah, there's sort of like three parts to this movie the first is sort of the horror part which is the all the aliens and scientists it's mostly shot in the dark there's the shed scene there's the cornstalk scene there's all of the this first third of the movie and then the second third is this sort of stranger in a strange land et mm-hmm. goofing around in the home like interacting with all of our weird stuff and like learning about people and something that is interesting as an adult uh, as a kid you're like oh this goofy guy hanging out and these kids are like teaching him stuff and then as an adult you're watching it and you realize he is an adult and he's mm-hmm. got these weird alien children who are like he's just he's like he's learning from tv in this comic strip he's like okay i'm gonna make him a communication device and these kids are like look at my action figures and he's like what is happening and he's definitely like just sort of entertaining these weird three children he's like they're uncle or something i he's definitely not a kid yeah i feel like it flips from like you said when you're a kid the kids are trying to teach him like this is what a word is or whatever and then as an adult he's the one trying to teach them like okay how do i bridge the gap to english to like show them what i'm like i'm busy i'm trying to make a thing and they're like this is what a 
action figure looks like? And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, the exasperation <sighs> in the scene yeah. where he's getting the balls to rotate and like mm-hmm. pointing out, and he's like, I want to go home. And right. they're like, that's outside. This is where <laughs> we live. You're in Elliot's room. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, great. I, I need to get out of here. Like, and they're dressing him in weird clothes, and he's just like, okay, tolerating that scene like, whatever. was Fine. horrifying. That's <laughs> still like freaks me out. Yeah wearing a wig wearing a dress and it, again because it looks so real i'm like oh it's such an upsetting gross thing in clothes now mm-hmm. <laughs> which i love because it's like big hat. that's when yeah. drew barrymore's character gets a hold. gertie gets a hold of et and uh-huh. she's like now he's mine like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a, a doll like she dresses him up and tries to hide, hide him, him in, in the, the closet, closet. <laughs> yeah. she's like okay you just stay in here and then like you said exasperation i just love that he's just like <sighs> okay just have to tolerate this until i can make my communication yeah. device and right. just leave out of your children's toys <laughs> one of the scenes that i found really funny was when he, elliot first brings et upstairs and he's like you were saying he's showing him all these action figures <laughs> yeah. and he's just like naming 50 things he's like oh here's a plant here's an action figure han solo lando calarizian ah here's a car and this e. is a fish this is a shark yeah, yeah. <laughs> and et like he's not even paying attention he's just like kind of looking around as like kind of putting his fingers i think on the desk and he's just not even paying attention he's like oh God. yeah he's just sort of processing yeah. and as a kid you're like oh he's oh funny alien he's confused about all the things the kid is saying and as an adult you're like oh you're he's doing what i would do which is just ignoring <laughs> this weird kid yeah. and being yeah. like okay so now i'm in this room all right what do i have here we've got okay sort of a fish <laughs> uh, there's plants here that's good you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so speaking of stuff that you you notice as an adult that you don't as a children the the Adult roles in the movie are not something I paid attention to as a child. And notably, the mother, it's something you take for granted as a kid that your parents are just doing stuff. You don't think about what they're doing or why a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and she's very scattered during the movie mm-hmm. and leaves Elliot alone quite a bit and doesn't notice a lot of the things that are going on with the alien. And as a kid, you don't think a lot about that. You're just like, oh, she's busy. She's a mom. She's doing stuff. Right. Yeah. And as an adult, there is a nuanced subplot about how her husband has left with someone and he's in Mexico and she's recently separated and falling apart. Yeah. She right. is a mess. And it is something that you just don't notice as a kid, which right. is really interesting. Yeah. Working a full time job, three kids. Just kind of like, uh, I, I don't know, you guys ordered a pizza? What's going on? Like, uh, just exasperated and kind of like doing what she can. And there's an entire scene um, on Halloween before um, the, the kids are sort of like putting together their plot to bring the communicator up onto the mountain mm-hmm. um, where they get it pulled off under their mom's nose because the mom is apparently preparing for a Halloween party. I didn't even realize that. It's so like small little bits of her, like the way she's dressing and acting, kind of the decoration she's putting out. But you're seeing this whole movie from the from the kids' perspective, and they just don't care about that. Right. And you you're getting these little hints because you're now you're looking as an adult. People no one comes to her Halloween party. She's crying. She's like putting out the candles. She's got all these snacks out. No one's there. She's alone. She's dealing with this divorce. It's really interesting that they cared so much to put together these entire subplots that you're just you don't even see because yeah. it's that's the adult world going on around you and you're a kid watching them the movie. Doesn't matter to you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love. I feel like it makes it such a like it adds so much richness to the movie to have these fully fleshed out characters um, without over explaining everything, like showing her or having her even just say like, "Oh, there's a party later," and you know, and then just over. I feel like nowadays there's more exposition, exposition about everything instead of just having these little glimpses into the lives of the people around the main characters, which is really yeah. Just I love how they did that in this movie. Subtle little hints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Even like the, uh, like we we're saying, the villains uh, being the the like adult men. As a kid, I remember that being like, well, they're the bad guys. Obviously, Through the whole movie it was like ET. He just needs to get away, and these bad guys are hunting ET, and they're bad, and we need to get ET away. And then as an adult looking at it, it was like they're just scientists and stuff. There, yeah, they turn the leaf again, just like they did with ET at the beginning, right. where they didn't show his personality. He's just fingers around a door frame and balls rolling back in this sort of horror thing. That's mm-hmm. also how the scientists are treated. And we yeah. get the the first to second act reveal of ET, and then we get the second to third act reveal of the scientists. Um, and around that time, they're going into the mountains with their costumes to set up this communication device, mm-hmm. and ET is starting to get sick. He's starting to slowly die because he's lost his connection to the other members of his race because they flew far enough away that he can't communicate with them because they are cowards. Bunch of jerks. Yeah, Yeah, losing. I'm assuming he's losing that connection. Yeah. Which is causing him to die. And they kind of communicate that as well through the the wilting of the flowers, which again, just to talk about the practical effects, even that, that's insane to me. I I still don't know how they did the effect of him like healing the flowers and the flowers dying. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, he starts to get sick. Thankfully. Um, around this time. And so does Elliot. Exactly. Elliot starts getting sick also. And he's at getting all sweaty and like scatterbrained. They spend the night in the woods almost. Elliot is reported missing and then he shows up and E.T.'s gone. Mm-hmm. And Elliot looks awful. Like, like just hot trash. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, you're shivering. Ill. And wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. And that's where it leads into the third act where we get the government becomes uh, involved, which is kind of the Stranger Things arc of the movie. And you can see a lot of the inspirations taken there. A lot of kids on bikes, a lot of government agents, a yeah, lot of interesting. The kind of jerky older brother who who has a, a little bit of a uh, revival or a, he, he starts out as like an asshole like Steve Harrington and then redemption arc, a redemption arc. Thank you. Yeah. All kinds of stuff I feel like was taken from this movie. I think all three of the kids did a great job presenting themselves as siblings. Oh, so totally. good. You at the beginning, it's like I hate that older brother. I'm like, oh, I hate this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate him. And then over, but it's not like that two dimensional, like, oh, he's just an awful person. Like, they're just siblings. Yeah. And he's, you know, Ellie's like, but promise, I got to show you this thing. And he's like, okay, I promise. You're like, whatever, man. Like, what? I'm your brother. Like, we'll hang out. And then he shows yeah. him. He's like, oh, now I'm instantly on your side. Mm hmm. And yeah, yeah it's not it's like oh, whatever, dude. Nice try or whatever. Like two dimensional, like you're saying, right. two dimensional. It is some of the best like sibling relationships that I've seen in in a film. Definitely, yeah. uh, and that really is the third act of the film, the most emotional act of the film. Et's dying. Elliot's dying. They're trying to get a communication device up. They're being chased, and then ultimately a bunch of guys in NASA suits bust into the house for some and reason. capture E.T. Yeah, and set up like a hazmat, you know, lock down the house under tents of plastic and trucks everywhere. Scariest and, part of the whole thing for me is yeah. the crazy home invasion followed by men in black lockdown, mm-hmm. where they're like invading your home. That was terrible. It was a very cool shot when well, first of all, we see E.T. as a dried up turd in the ditch and he yes, gets brought back to the house. 
that is still a scene that is disgusting. It's gross still. Yeah. That also stayed with me. I never noticed oh. that there was a raccoon just hanging out by him too. Yeah, and I was just like looking around and <laughs> I was like, hey, peace out and just run away. Yeah. But, but I do love the scene to go back to the sibling thing right yeah. before right before going out to find the the dried up turd E.T. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's like, the oh, asshole the brother. older brother's an asshole, but then his little brother is sick and yeah. clearly like dying and, and he's like, you need to go find E.T. And he's just like, okay, done. Yeah, he's like, where, where? Yeah. I've, my role has changed from like, I'm just pushing you around, teaching you what life's like, you know, like life's not fair or whatever. I'm the older brother. And then he's like, Oh, you're sick and you need something like, okay, I'm jumping into action and he I'm going to go find the ET. Paul's ass yeah. on his mm-hmm. bike, like Paul's ass looking for ET. Yeah. yeah. And so they bring ET back to the house and they finally show the mom mm-hmm. this disgusting thing. And she's like, all right, hate this. Yeah. And so she's taking the kids down the stairs and the older brother is his name, Mike. I think so, yeah. He opens the door. Michael, yeah. And it was like that shot of him, like you see his face and there's like the sun hitting his face and he just has that look of terrified like on him. Yeah. And then that's when like the NASA suit people enter and I just mm. thought that was such a very cool shot because it's like one scary thing from up the stairs into this other situation where right. it's like, what is happening now? Where the mom is like, oh, I'm saving my kids from this thing and the kids are like, this is not what we need to be running from. She hustles them all downstairs and it's like, boom, that's this what you're running right, from. Yeah. And instantly, yeah, I like that they didn't mess around with too much time of her not understanding and stretching that out too far. And I feel like the the astronauts, um, <laughs> I feel like it doesn't fully make sense that they're wearing <laughs> astronaut. Why? Full astronaut but I, I suits. I think I get it. Versus I've been like, why not just it. a hazmat suit? So I was, I've been thinking about it because we brought this up before we started recording. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Why are there like astronauts showing up and like breaking windows and yeah, like with a baseball bat, like shame if something happened to it, just like like busting down windows. Yeah, <sighs> oh, like weird. So this is my theory. Mm-hmm. One, I think if um, we're still in the in the part of the movie where we haven't seen the faces of these characters, like hmm. the shadowy men, you know? Yeah. Um, so they're like, well, if we put them in a hazmat suit, it's just a guy like, Hey, and it's kind of like, Oh, whatever. So it's almost like in the, a way from the, the perspective, perspective of the kids where it's like this shadowy, oh. the face is covered. Like we're NASA. We're science. Like, like boom, that's boom. how they interpreted this. Yeah, scenario. So it's almost like uh, it's not a literal, hmm. you know, we're seeing it. That's, that's, my theory i really like that theory yeah that makes like maybe they didn't like if it was a real thing they weren't breaking windows it was more like the feeling of them this closing is how they, in yeah and, yeah i like that and then they uh yeah so they set up the lab in the house and the whole next scene is all about like them versus the government where mm-hmm. they're trying to interrogate them about what's going on and et's sick and the boy is sick and elliot's carried away screaming that they're killing et it's very traumatizing and right. horrible yeah and then there's this huge medical drama thing it's very hectic et's dying they're trying to bring him back elliot's dying et's dying the doctors are there the scientists are there and then the the scene where et just dies yeah and, oh uh, yeah all of the as you're saying the faceless government agents all of these horror archetypes just take off their masks and they were just people mm-hmm. trying to help and they look sad and they look confused and they're just f- trying to figure it out. And the, the guy who's been chasing them the whole time keys, mm-hmm. he comes up to the kid and he, you see, he takes off his helmet and it's just a, uh, just a guy. And he says to the kid, he's like, Hey, I was 10 years old 
two and this is what i've been dreaming of since i was 10 years old is Mm -hmm. this is a miracle and it's that sort of we keep being presented with things that are scary and then being shown that they're normal yeah and that we can understand them and that we can empathize with them Mm -hmm. first et and then the government when the doctors were given like a when they were trying to revive et they're given a red hot go I had a, I appreciated that, you know, they, they have no idea what this thing is, but mm-hmm. they're just, they want to keep it alive and they're giving it everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're doing CPR. Wasn't they're, you know, the, um, the paddles paddles. Yeah. And, and again, as a kid, I remember that being more like, you know, I was on, I was fully listening to Elliot. He's just scared. He doesn't know what's going on, but I'm like, get away from ET. Like what they're trying to dissect him or something. And as an adult, it's like, oh, they're doing, like you said, they're trying, they just want to save the guy it's mm-hmm. an alien they're like well, we want him to live like what's going on this so the uh the people in that scene the doctors and the medical crew mm-hmm. um those are not actors that they got a doctors oh nice and a uh a surgical team and they brought them in they said okay so this is just your this is your patient go oh damn like, just That's act cool. like this is an actual or and you've got a crashing patient and they're they're dying mm-hmm. and uh, it was because Spielberg was like, "There, I'm not going to get what I want out of actors. Like, I want sure. the actual chaos. I don't want it to sound like, oh, I know what's going on from an onlooker's perspective. I want it to be just a full chaotic medical situation. Um, I want it to be real. Yeah. And that way we can sell the idea that this fake creature is dying. The more real the things around him are, the more real he is. Let me just say another thing that I hate about E.T. Mm-hmm. is that the fact that he has a, like a translucent chest and you can just see that heart beating. Yeah. Gross. Hate it. Yeah, I remember it glowing, but I don't re- like, man, that was just detailed. Just fleshy interior. Yeah, yeah. you fully see the, the whole heart. chest cavity. And yeah. The, you know, yeah, the ventricles and it just pumping in his chest. It's so yep. gross. Thank you. Yeah. yeah it's I, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, if anything, I was... Uh, James and I were on the end of this fun family movie and you were on the end of like, this is a horror film Mm -hmm. and we've almost kind of met in the middle. Mm -hmm. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this scene where he's is kind of unmasked and he's talking to Elliot. That's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Like some great lines. As an adult scene too. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice moment. It didn't, I don't think it really registered with me as a kid, but as an adult having this doctor come up and, he says, you know, I'm glad he came to you first. Yeah. And there's a hint that maybe he came to him when he was a kid. I was curious about that. Right. There's the, the dialogue's a little ambiguous. He uh-huh. says, um, you know, he yeah. came to me too. And, you know, yeah. I've been waiting to, for this since I was 10 years old. And this is a miracle. It, it's a little bit like, oh, have has he been here before? And he caught a glimpse of E.T. And that's why he was looking in the forest. Mm-hmm. And, right. It's just another hint of like the, the motivations of the adults are only hinted at. Yeah. There's a much mm-hmm. bigger story behind all of right. it. And I like that we don't know it. it yeah, me too. We was more. Everyone us has to, their own story that it's it's bigger than you think it is. Hundred mm-hmm. mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. So ET dies. Everyone yes. cries. Kids Ooh, in the audience are horrified. Yeah! Steve cheers. Steve cheered. They had to escort him out. He didn't see the rest of the movie. I don't know no. how it ends. Um, but I did hear a, a little girl in the audience say, "Is he?" dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah <was> nice. like, <laughs> yep you're all gonna remember this one <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. is infamous There's that you're just hearing uh, memory <laughs> yeah. being formed yeah core memory and when, um, when he dies too his eyes are wide fucking open yeah he's dead it's, dead. it's, it's, it's the most Awful. realistic dead thing i've ever seen in a children's movie yeah, yeah like glazed over just corpse yeah yeah, yeah and they're just staring at him like all yeah. right turn off the machines and it's he's just like just the thing where he, the classic thing where he shuts his eyes oh yeah 
Yeah. Or, yeah. To do it one horrible. by one. Yeah, yeah, because his eyes were so far apart. He has to do them one at a time, <laughs> which made me kind of laugh. <laughs> and but then, it was sad. Another thing that I didn't register as a kid, I don't think, is why he came back to life at all. It, I thought maybe it had something to do with Elliot loving him so much. <laughs> right. But it just turns out it's like, oh, well, his people came it was back. The ship, right. Okay. They, yeah. There's a psychic connection where the, his chest starts to glow again. Yeah. Because the life force is clearly shared between these creatures. Mm-hmm. And that's why he, he bonds to this chrysanthemum. He bonds to Elliot. They have this sort of life force bond that when they come back within range, he reconnects. And that's mm-hmm. why he's been dying this whole time. He's been cut off from the shared life force of his people. I still didn't register that until you said that right now. Yeah, he's just getting sick and then he gets better. It kind of uh, seems think, like Elliot gets it. <laughs> did you guys ever watch the season of Doctor Who with David Tennant where he gets turned into like this small little like old man yeah. creature thing and he's brought back to like his his true self because everyone believes Loves him, him so much? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I kind of thought of that when this was happening again. I, I still thought yeah. it was Elliot was, oh, he loves him. He's uh, the power. It's brought him back. They don't say it. No, they just they're like, figure it out, kid. You're like, maybe it's this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Tinkerbell theory. But he comes back to life. And then this is where the true Stranger Things inspiration kicks off, where the gang of biker kids outruns mm-hmm. the cops and kidnaps this alien. Oh, and they so great. Drive away in this van. It's the funniest sequence I've ever seen. And also, I mean, it, get, it just got me pumped up. Like, yeah. Just hype. The, yeah. the setup for that was actually I didn't find funny before, but I found this time when he does come back to life and Elliot is just like <laughs> trying to get him to oh, shut up because yeah. <laughs> he keeps saying like uh, phone home or something. Yeah, he's, he's saying home. something. Yeah. And, and Elliot's like, home, Oh yeah. he's home, back. Home. Yeah. And he's pushing him into a zipper bag, the body yeah, bag. He's like, shut up. Back. He's trying to zip it back. While up. He's, he's like, talking. He's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Home, home. He slams the lid to the like cooler thing and then leans over and is like, Oh no, oh no. E.T. like pretending to cry. Man, great incredible yeah, yeah that was super funny yeah we're really just like like viciously telling ed et to <laughs> shut up over and over as he zips him into a body bag yeah. and he just came incredible. back alive from being dead <laughs> that is one of the best scenes in the whole movie so good and then yeah then they careen away in this van with these poor scientists oh, in the back yeah. and then he's like unclipping the tube and they're like oh wait, 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 wait. <laughs> don't unclip don't that don't <laughs> they're watching him pull the clips out yeah, one by like, one <laughs> into the street are they okay so who knows yeah and i love again the older brother where he's like they pull up in the van next they see their friends on the the sidelines behind the like fence or whatever and the, he's like get your bikes like, like go meet us here meet us at this spot i was like oh so and good. they just go yep let's do it and they <laughs> yeah. put on their little like, glasses and glasses, stuff and yeah. they just like fight the power yeah. yeah very very 80s you know where each kid has its has their thing gimmick, like uh-huh. there's the guy with the the like newsboy hat and the slick little glasses and then there's one with a ski mask which is weird (laughs) yeah they all have their little like the karate chop action one you know the classic and then they outrun the cops and like they we get the the um the second shot of et making the kids bikes fly yeah which isn't as convincing as i remember no no that one was definitely more. But they, he has to do it because the police careen in front of them and pull out shotguns. shotguns. And what they're like, we're just going to kill all these kids? Maybe? Yeah. They're just kids on bikes. <laughs> and it's not even like the FBI. It's just local cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just cops are the bad guys Spielberg in this movie. Spielberg knew it all along. Right. In this movie and in all movies yeah. and in real life. Those See, that's the one that turns the other way. Where they're like, yeah, the police. Oh, no, no, no. The police are yeah. the bad guys. Okay. Yeah, it turns out. No. 
these guys are bad. Yeah, Avoid yeah. these guys. If you see a guy like this, get out of there. They yeah. were looking for any opportunity Run. to pull that shotgun yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, it wasn't as convincing, but I still remember being kind of fascinated by that as a kid. You know, that, that I guess nostalgia fills in the blanks for me. I'm like, this is still great. I'm like, I will take this over a lot oh. of CG shit nowadays. I'm I like, still I love this. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, because of the bike scene, we got the classic Amblin logo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That scene where. I mean, the first time where he has E.T. in the basket with the sheet and everything and he takes off and the music swells like I was, that's the scene I mentioned earlier. The music is so good in this the music movie. It's incredible. So, yeah, man. W- totally worth seeing this movie in IMAX. 100 percent. Fully just to hear the John Williams soundtrack like mm-hmm. coming out of IMAX speakers. Just chills. So the John Williams, so uh, he, he won the uh, the Academy mm-hmm. Award for Best Soundtrack. Hell yeah. Interestingly, he was having difficulty scoring the end of the movie and uh, Spielberg said, just turn it off. Just conduct like if you were just doing a symphony. Don't worry about the movie. Mm -hmm. And then re-edited the end of the movie slightly to match the soundtrack, which is not done. Yeah. And it turned out so phenomenal that he got the Academy Award because he was, he's like, we're going music first, then editing. Mm -hmm. And like turned it over to John Williams. And I feel like that's much more common nowadays, too. It's like it worked out so well that people emulate that kind of thing now. They just edit to whatever the, you know, whatever's going. Yeah. Uh, I also just want to say that I loved that when uh, they were on the bikes for the first time, uh, they don't have a proper landing and they just both eat shit. (laughs) 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 And then when it's the group of friends, they like land and they all slide in a line. Cool. Which Again, is such a classic. You see so many things that were clearly inspirations when they made Stranger Things. Where it's totally. like, oh, we want that scene. We want that scene. We mm-hmm. want that shot. We want that shot. Um, I mean, for good reason, too. It's just so brilliant. Especially season one of Stranger Things. I feel like it's, it's essentially like E.T., the TV show. Yeah. But again, subverted where it's like, well, what if E.T. was not cool? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. They are like, you know. And so that sort of like comes into the, the climax of the movie. They got away from the cops. They get up to the mountaintop. The aliens come, they pick E.T. up, there's a tearful goodbye, everyone's crying. I was not. Steve is celebrating. He gets the glowing finger to the forehead with the I'll be right here. Gross. And yeah, the, one of the, again, one of the best lines and such a simple line where uh, Elliot and E.T. are saying goodbye to each other. Yeah. And E.T. says, come. And yeah. Elliot says, stay. Come. And they just communicate in two words in like an invitation to come with him because he loves him. And no, I have to stay here. And also like a you stay, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. So good. I remember when E.T. says I'll be here or right here. I, I always remember him pointing like to his heart, not to his head. Yeah. So it's these little things. I'm like, huh. And it's like, I it, but he's pointing to his head because we're it's, psychically bonded. Yeah. Right. And also, so like, I'll it's, always be connected to you. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> which is funny because I also got Uh-oh. like, a, yeah, like a, we'll always have the memories kind of a thing too <laughs> right. from it. Like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'm always here. Like, we yeah. had this experience, even if I leave. But which is funny, I didn't even think about the psychic bond and everything. And then he says bye to Gertie, I think, right? And he yeah. says, be, be good. good, so good. I so mean, he's the, got the his goodbye with the so two good. kids, and they're you know, phenomenally done. And then it just sort of ends with the, the, the music swelling mm-hmm. and the starship going and cuts to credits. But that was not the end of the movie. Um, originally, the, uh, the ending, according to uh, Robert McNaughton, 
uh, involved going back to the game of Dungeons and Dragons that we saw at the beginning. Oh, and man. he says, the last scene in the movie wasn't supposed to be the scene that ends up in the movie. The last scene was going to be all of us playing Dungeons and Dragons again, except this time Elliot's the dungeon master because he was the one that found E.T. He sort of got in with the group and now he's part of it. And so that was supposed to be the final scene. It was in the script and everything. And then they would pan up from the Dungeons and Dragons game to the roof and see the communicator on the roof still working to sort of show that Elliot's still in touch with E.T. and he's calling him back. That's cute. Um, but then they did the score and the music and they saw the spaceship taking off uh, and the music and they're like, whoa. Like, oh, and God, then we'll just so throw a scene on after that. They're like, that's that was it. So then they just they're like, well, we got to just stop here because you just yeah. Which makes I mean, it sounds like a good scene. It I'm does. like, oh, it's kind of been a good after credit scene in yeah. a modern movie, right? I do like that. Just that cut to an end. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of older movies used to do that. There was you it's know a movies strong end nowadays. They have to wrap up everything or have this like see where everybody is. Right. Sometimes I just don't really care. It's like you should have ended it. You know, just like add they that did dramatic. Here. Yeah. It's like, I don't need to know what else happened. Like, I, I saw their story. Uh, I don't right. Know. It almost makes me, like, I, I feel like with those types of endings, I leave the theater and I'm, like, pumped up. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man. And then I start imagining that, like, what? Exactly. It leaves your mind to think of what could have happened instead of seeing what did happen. Mm-hmm. So Which that being depends. said, at the end of this movie, how, how were you feeling? What was your come away with this movie? How did you feel was your, your childhood vendetta against E.T. and the vow that you swore never to see it again? Did that hold up or were you glad that you saw this and did you have uh, a few different thoughts about it i am glad that i saw this again i definitely have a much different view of it i have a better appreciation this is like a a fun family movie for the most part uh like we've just been saying there are a lot of little things that i never noticed or realized when i was a kid because i was only focused on you know the like elliot and et instead of the outside world and everything else going on that made this movie so good and so rich so uh, I'm still terrified to shit of this fucking creature. <laughs> if you ever came into my room, I would beat him with a bat. Uh, check that GoFundMe <laughs> link below. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get that ET to put in Steve's room. Fantastic. But I also do think that this is it's it's a solid movie. It's it's very heartfelt in certain moments. There is a lot. It's it's much funnier than I remember being too. There are great comedic it's moments so in this. So funny. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I was it's laughing through hilarious. the whole thing. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. Don't think I'm. I ever really need to watch this again. I like that um, I have this new, newfound outlook on it. But I'm like, meh. I'm still terrified of it. Right. Yeah, and that's why we are here mm-hmm. on her with his house of horror to explore that fear. And um, as is uh, traditional, next uh, let's get into some trivia. Perfect. I, we sprinkle a little bit into um, the previous discussion, but let's go um, and. Listen to some of the weird fun facts about E.T. This is the part that we like to call the extra trivial section. Hmm. Oh, I like that. Thank you. (laughs) So most of the full body puppetry was performed by a two foot, 10 inch tall stuntman. But the scenes in the kitchen were done using a 12 year old boy who was born without legs who could walk on his hands. That's rad. Yeah, that's cool. And as mentioned before, E.T. was played by three models, um, one that could walk around on its own, one that had electronic moving parts and could be used for close ups and one that served as the soup for a small actor doing stunts. So the the one that can move around on its own obviously had limited other function. Yeah. And that's why you just had sort of like wider shots of awkward shuffling um, because it's pretty much all it could do. And then the close up one was intensely detailed. And then the third one was more more or less a rubber suit. 
I like the awkward shuffling, though, because it's like, this is a weird creature. Yeah, me too. Makes it more upsetting to me. Barely has, he doesn't have legs. He has feet. And <laughs> yeah. they just sort of like, he does his best. He's yeah, great at walking. Um, Gertie's, I don't like his feet, um, is not her only ad lib. The scene where she says, give me a break after Elliot tells her that only little kids can see E.T. is also <laughs> just Drew Barrymore not buying the dialogue in the script. <laughs> So th- I have a little bit of a fun fact. Um, so this movie came out around the same time as The Thing. Mm. And so that is one of the reasons why The Thing performed so terribly at the box office. Because, you know, this was a, such a family-friendly thing that people could see. <laughs> we'll see another alien movie. <laughs> people found The Thing to just be so unappealing and so just gross. It's like, why would we see that over something that's fun and whimsical? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why it so bad mm-hmm. that's too bad yeah the thing great movie brilliant it's yeah the other end of the spectrum from this but it's brilliant in a lot of the same ways yeah mm-hmm. when uh when steven spielberg was directing the halloween scenes where the kids are all dressed up and et's wearing like the ghost costume and stuff he was actually wearing a halloween costume as well behind the scenes uh he was dressed as a woman just to like, yeah, be like, hey, Halloween. We're like, having fun. In the spirit. It seems like uh, Steven Spielberg is very much that type of director. He wants to be a part of it. Yeah. And like, make everyone comfortable. Right. And he was like, man, it was so much fun filming this movie. Like, and working with kid actors, which is funny because I feel like usually you hear kind of the opposite. Everyone's like, oh, working with kid actors or working with animals is a nightmare. In fact, I read that working with the child actors was such a positive experience for him. It is what made him decide to have children. Damn. Wow. Yeah. He, it was like a transformative thing for him working with And then he's kids. like, wait a second, my kids suck. <laughs> yeah. You're not allowed to very more at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should have just hired child actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved in the Halloween scene too, when they're all about to like get the picture taken and the mom is commenting how good they all look. <laughs> Elliot says thank you. Uh, Mike says thank <laughs> yeah. you. And then you hear E.T. say, great. Thank you. 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 Speaking of E.T.'s weird little voice, it was provided by Pat Welsh, an elderly woman who lived in Marin County. Um, <laughs> they found her in a camera store and she smoked two packets of cigarettes a day. And they're like, you, we need you to be an alien. <laughs> That's hilarious. So a few last pieces of trivia. This is this is one that we noticed while we were in the theater. Um, when Elliot is yelling at his brother in the beginning, um, the mother, D. Wallace, is supposed to yell, hey, sit down. But she heard him say, it was nothing like that, penis breath. Maybe uh, an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis breath. Elliot, <laughs> sit down. And it startled her so much, she started laughing and she screwed up her line and she just said, Elliot was completely genuine because she did not expect him to call him penis breath. And I completely screwed up the take, but it was perfect because that's exactly how a mom would react. Yeah, right. I thought that Fully was genuine reaction. It felt so real. Yes, it was. That's awesome because I was one. I was like, man, what a great, this feels so like authentic. And so, and it was yeah. real. Speaking of authentic responses, we mentioned that the the movie was filmed sequentially so that mm-hmm. the child actors could feel the emotions of not knowing who this alien was and getting to know them and actually bonding with them sequentially. And so by the time they got to the end, 
they had formed bonds to this E.T. character, similar to like kids you might see on Sesame Street with Kermit. And sure. So they were tearfully saying goodbye to E.T. forever. Their real emotions of like, OK, say goodbye to your friend forever. He's going away forever. Mm hmm. Um, because it was shot sequentially and at the end they had to say goodbye and they would never see their friend again. We're going to put this thing in storage for the rest of its yeah. use. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Did, do you guys, I'm sure you noticed, but there was like the dog fucking ran up like right behind E.T. when that ship was about to take off. I kind of half thought the dog was just going to jump on there or just like start Me to too, I was like, like, wait, had to be dog. unintended. I thought yeah, that I dog so was too. supposed to run up to Elliot and sit down. But he's like, oh, yeah. And he ran up the <laughs> ramp and you could see him stop and turn around like, wait, what? And like yeah. someone's like, hey, hey, no. And he's like, oh, and like came back down the ramp. And, and he's then like, Steven oh, maybe Spielberg I'll go with probably like, I like that. Yeah, yeah. that's way better. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes some of the most unintentional things are some of the best things. Yeah. Yeah. Just feel natural. Yeah. And the last bit of trivia, Steven Spielberg and Melissa Matheson came up with the concept for a sequel called Nocturnal Fears. Hate that. Where Elliot and his friends are kidnapped by aliens and E.T. had to come save them. <laughs> oh, you know what? That sounds fucking In rad. This movie, <laughs> it's revealed that E.T.'s name is Zrek and his species is at war with the other alien. I'm loving this so much. And that got canned hard. Ooh. But there's still the possibility of a sequel to this podcast episode because though the sequel project was canceled, the closest thing that we ever got, there's a holiday themed short made as a commercial for Xfinity. <laughs> E.T. comes home for the holidays. Oh, no. In this short film, E.T. comes back to Earth and he lands in Elliot's yard. He has a wife and kids. <laughs> and Elliot and E.T. reminisce about their time and E.T. remembers him as just the lovable alien he knew as a kid, um, even though Elliot now has, by the way, Elliot has a wife and kids, not E.T. I'm not oh, sure if that man. was clear. <laughs> <laughs> that was not like clear a, to me. Uh, yeah. Chewy no. Star Wars E.T.'s, vibe going E.T.'s on. still a, a genderless plant monster. Yeah. Man. Elliot's a grown up with a wife and kids. It's man. much more like Hook. Like, okay. You know. Yeah. And well, this was e. this was back and he's like, oh, I'm an adult man now. This is recently. <laughs> right. This is like 2020 or yes. something. That they was it? Um, and so he introduces E.T. to all the modern day technology and stuff. Around I do remember this. Over the holidays. I and do remember this. It was uh, made with the communication and oversight with Spielberg and Spielberg basically gave it his stamp of like, this has the heart of E.T. This feels official nice. to me. Do you know if it was the same actor, the grown up? Uh, it was. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Actually did not enjoy being famous, really did not like um, the result of being a child actor and yet went on to stay in the industry and has had starring roles in the Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Hill House series and the sequel. You see the dad? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. He left for a acting for a while, though, right? Yeah. And then came he had back. to come back as an as a formed adult right he's like all right i've sorted decisions. through all that yeah that's crazy there's a video of him auditioning for et that went viral on online where it's like the it's the moment he was uh given the role is on camera he does a little like read and cries on cue and then spielberg is like all right you're hired it's Damn, really good that's cool all right well uh, like like we do at the end of every episode. Uh, Steve, what was your favorite kill in this movie? Oh my God. So it was probably the one where E.T. died. It was my favorite right. death. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, he came back to life. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take what I can get. Mine was the part where after the kids on the bikes took off, um, the guys with the shotguns killed Drew Barrymore. But right. She was trying to catch up and they just gunned her down in the street. Right, right, right. And they all congratulate was, each other afterwards. Yeah, it was weird, but. And they all, they start picking him off out of the sky. Like, yeah. like. 
like birds. Um, I liked my, uh, I think my favorite death was the flowers. Oh. As when they wilt. Cool effect. And they also do come back to life, just like E.T. Yeah. Sons of bitches. Sons of bitches. All right, so, um, Steve, how many glowing fingers would you give E.T.? Out of? 117. Oh. <laughs> um, all right, let's see. So, I'm going to give this one glowing finger out of 117, you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a child, as my eight-year-old self, uh, as an adult now. Which finger? The middle one. This one. Blowing uh, <laughs> <one> the <little laughs> finger out of 117. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as an adult, I would give this probably a a 100 out of 117 glowing wow, little fingers. Pretty solid. That's a big difference. It's like an A minus, maybe. Yeah. As I've said, like this movie is it's it's great. It has some really good elements. I think it's it's a very fun movie. It's it, it makes me think back to when I was a kid. You know, these are the sorts of things that I wish had kind of happened to me. You mm -hmm. know, you'd meet, not necessarily an alien, but you'd just have some sort of fantastical event happen that just, you know, went off the fucking rails. Yeah. And that's, you know, just something, totally. something I like to do. It was, it was a very heartfelt movie and, again, very funny. I have a new appreciation for it, but I still hate it. Got it. Jeff, um, out of two, how many tree monsters that go, Ugh! would you give E.T.? I give it two, a full, a full like, two. Wow! Wow! All right, James. Out of sixteen dried up turds that are ET, how many dried up ET turds would you give this? I would give this. I got to give it the full sixteen. Oh, full wow. sixteen. I can't think of it. Like I, I, my instinct is to, you know, it's like, oh, it was really good. I'll give it 15 out of 16, but I'm, I can't think of a reason not mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. Vince, I have a hard time giving a perfect score. I always want to be like, you know what? Could, there's always something that could improve. You know, you got to leave a little room for improvement, but you know what? Yeah, as what? an adult, you know? yeah, it still holds up to the extent it's funny, it's heartfelt, it's nuanced. All the characters have something going on. Yep. They all have motivations of their own that whether or not they're explored, the mother, the scientist, both of the siblings, the other, the, the kids in the class, they, beautiful music, beautiful practical effects. Like there's just no real. And also it's provided such a weird, like launching post to just bother Steve <laughs> for the rest of his life, which is mm. just a gift. This is very true. I, perfect film, perfect, perfect film, perfect score. I'm right there with you guys, or with you, Jeff, at least, when you were saying that you want to give it a little bit less. Like, I want to give this, I appreciate this movie so much, I want to give it, like, that perfect 117 middle fingers out of 117, but it's still the fact that it destroyed well, me it as a child. Well, it hurt you as a child, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> I gotta take away some points. Decades? Yeah. yeah. I'm but impressed it made there. it all the way to 100. I yeah, feel too. like that speaks... That's a testament. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Alright, well, you heard it here. Spielberg, in case you were wondering whether or not um, this movie was any good. Um, yeah, it was all right. Also, please make that sequel because it sounds rad as hell. Oh, I will yeah. watch yeah, that. We're ready to yeah, go what's see up with Dark the other aliens? And Asms. Nope. Dark Realms. Nope. Coming soon. We'll be there, Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. Dark. We'll be you waiting sold, in line to see Dark. You sold three tickets. I'm imagining E.T. wearing like a nope. bandana and he has like two machine guns 
probably I think that's probably what Spielberg <laughs> was imagining too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Michael Bay directs the new one so. with Steven Spielberg uh, producing as uh, they did with the first Transformers. Michael and Bay directed and they, Steven they Spielberg saved produced. a lot of money on E.T. because now he's just going to be played by Danny Trejo. <laughs> and they don't even have to do any makeup or anything. I didn't want to say that. But still voiced by uh, the woman from Marin County. Yeah, she's still alive. She still does the voice. Uh-huh. It's just Danny Trejo with a couple of machine guns and a bandana. And he's like, Army T. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be good. Be good. <laughs> yeah. Or else. <laughs> this is the one of the tagline is you don't know what he tastes like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Right, so that is episode 14 of Hurwitz's House of Horror. As always, you can find us on Instagram at, at Hurwitz's House of Horror. Um, Steve, where can we find you online? Well, that's going to be it. Hurwitz's House of Horror. I love posting behind the scenes clips, clips from the movie, just fun things that we find online that I think people will like. Great. I hope we can have you back again on the show. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, it's great to talk movies with you guys. This is just something that I like to do, and I'm yeah, glad. Thanks that, for coming on our podcast. Yeah, you two convinced me to come see this because Jeff, you wanted to see this movie in IMAX originally. And you're like, oh yeah, are you getting a ticket? And I was like, <laughs> I'm I'm glad I went with you guys. It was it was a lot of fun. Me too, Jeff. Uh, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Art of Jefferson on Instagram or JeffersonMiller.com. What about you, James? Where can we find you online? You can't. Good luck. Try your try your hardest. Try your hardest. Can't do it. Challenge accepted. Yeah. You could look at at James Mark Miller on Twitter. I don't know. Would you find me there? I don't know. I have no you idea. Could, you could Google a small fiction, mm-hmm. buy any books that come up. Mm-hmm. Would you find out more about me inside? I don't know. Hard to say. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Looks like we'll never know. Nope. Or will it's we? Possible. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Please rate and review and share with your friends. That's how we get this podcast out to more people. And with that, as we say at the end of every episode of Hurwitz's House of Horror, you don't know what it tastes like. You're killing him!